Hello and welcome to the Engineer Your Success Leadership and Life Harmony Like a Mother show. I'm your host, Kini Romanovska, award-winning journalist turned maternity leave and working motherhood strategist and CEO at Pros and Babes. Being a new mom and working mom can be hard. And we believe you should never be alone with the overwhelm of figuring out work-life balance on your own. So this is the place where you, successful mom with small kids, working in competitive corporate careers or STEM fields, come to redefine your priorities and values after having kids. Find work-life balance, make sure you're on the same team with your partner and career and family, and find belonging in an outstanding community of fellow moms so that you can create a clear path forward and you're never alone with a crushing overwhelm, isolation, or fears about balancing life and work after kids again. Get ready to engineer your personal and professional success and find life harmony without compromising family happiness or health. Did you know that women tend to lose up to a million dollars over a lifetime compared to men because caregiving duties impact our career and financial outcomes? And that 40% of women feel so unsupported after maternity leave they feel like quitting, we're here to change that. It doesn't matter if you're pregnant on maternity leave or a working mom. If you love your career and want to build a life that helps you build success in personal and professional life on your terms, you're in the right place. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Engineer Your Success Leadership and Life Harmony Like a Mother show. I'm your host, Kinyo Romanovska, award-winning journalist turned maternity leave and working motherhood strategist and CEO of Pros and Babes. Being a new mom or working mom can be hard, and we believe you should never be alone with the overwhelm of figuring out work-life balance or integration on your own. So this is the place where you, successful moms with small kids, working in competitive corporate or STEM careers come to redefine their priorities and values after having children, find work-life integration, make sure you're on the same team with your partner and career and family, and most importantly, find belonging in an outstanding community of fellow moms so you can create a clear path forward and never feel alone with crushing overwhelm, isolation, or fears about balancing life and work after kids again. We're bringing you the best tips, guest experts, and interviews to engineer your personal and professional success without compromising family happiness or health. Did you know that women tend to lose up to a million dollars over a lifetime compared to men because caregiving duties impact our career outcomes? And that 40% of women feel so unsupported after maternity leave, they feel like quitting. It's called the motherhood penalty, but we're here to change that. And we want to make sure that motherhood is your greatest advantage and source of joy and career and family life. And it doesn't matter if you're pregnant on maternity leave or a working mom. If you love your career and want to build a life that helps you build success and personal and professional life on your terms, you're in the right place. Now let's get started. Today, my guest is Megan Sutton. She is a material engineer. She has a Bachelor of Science in Materials Engineering and a Master's of Engineering and Engineering Management, both from the University of Alberta. She's a, she's a registered professional engineer with APEGA, which in Alberta is the Association of Professional Engineers and Geoscientists of Alberta. Megan recently returned from her second maternity leave in January 2021 to a new role at a new company. 
and she's working as a senior materials engineer, performing failure analysis and other consulting engineering work. And prior to her current role, Megan was the team lead compliance at different organizations and was involved in integrity and quality management system development, auditing and other regulatory consulting. She was also a subject matter expert for that organization's materials laboratory and assisted in reviewing failure investigations. And as an engineer in training, Megan worked as a consultant for another company and was involved in supervising the metallurgical laboratory and performing failure analysis, quality assurance, and materials testing. She's a mama of two. And today we are talking about her career path, being a female in a male-dominated STEM career, and the support systems necessary to thrive as a mom in a male-dominated career. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Kenya. Thanks for having me. What I'm do you excited. know? Oh, sorry, I cut you off there. No, I just I'm said I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. You see, we're so excited that we're 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 bouncing all over the place. I was reading your so I was reading your biography, and I want to ask, what do you love the most about your job? Engineering is is a degree that requires hard work and dedication, and you're doing you're building the world, or you're helping prevent things from collapsing. So, what what really inspires you every day in your job? I think. Um, the the biggest thing is it's a very solution focused field so it's um it's looking at real world problems and and issues that we see and finding ways to fix them or improve upon them and so for me the challenge of it's almost like a puzzle or you know some a problem to solve so i like the challenge of that um and being able to apply you know the the more technical science behind all these things to the real world problems and um I can go in a minute into like how I chose engineering because it it was an interesting um it was an interesting decision for me but I'm ultimately very glad I went into engineering and I think I did end up in the right place for me so yeah well let's dive into that because we talk quite a bit about having more women in STEM. There's only a very small percentage. Maybe you can remind me of what it is that the, the numbers come in, but sometimes they, they leave my mind, but there's such a small percentage of women who are engineers. And since engineers build the world, I hope that having more female engineers will also help us build a more female friendly world. We know that so many women drop out of the profession after having kids, not only women, men also, but women really disproportionately so so hearing stories like yours how you are juggling right the the, the balancing the integration act of having a a career in stem and having children should be an inspiring story for many because we often talk about women in leadership but we don't necessarily talk about mothers in leadership so tell us more about your career path and how you did choose to go into engineering so i guess it kind of started for me back in like grade eight or nine, um, when I, I fell in love with science and chemistry in particular, I just loved learning about chemistry in school. So I thought, oh, I really want to be a chemist. Like that sounds like it would be a cool job. And then I got to high school and in grade 11, 10, 11, but in a, grade 11, at least here in Alberta, you can start applying for a conditional acceptance into university programs. So based on your grade 11 marks, um, you can apply and get conditional acceptance. So assuming 
you have met the you know requirements in your grade 12 year then you would still have that um, acceptance for the program that you wanted so I was looking at applying for a conditional acceptance um, to the University of Alberta in grade 11 and I started looking into what my career as a chemist would look like and I did not particularly love what I found <laughs> and not to say that, you know, I'm sure there's many people out there who love that and, and that's wonderful. But for me, most of what I found um, suggested that I would be in, you know, a laboratory environment doing the same type of work day in, day out, you know, testing things. And that just did not appeal to me at all. So I like to think I had like a mid-teen crisis, I'll call it, not a midlife crisis, but I was, you know, 16, 17 years old. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've wanted to be a chemist for years. What do, what do I do now? Like, where do I go? And um, I feel fortunate that this happened at this time in my life, because I do know so, so many people who have gotten to university or other post-secondary programs and didn't like it, dropped out, switched programs, and, you know, spent a lot of money in tuition and a lot of time figuring out what they didn't like. Um, and so for me, I started, I did some of those quizzes. Um, I think I talked to the guidance counselor at my high school and I did some of those, you know, quizzes where it's like, what sorts of, you know, skills do I have and interests do I have? And at the end of it, it kind of spits out some general kind of career areas that you might that might be a good fit for you. So I did one of these and I looked through, you know, my results and I was like, nah, not that, not that, not that kind of a thing. And then I came up to engineering and I thought, hmm, this could be interesting. I kind of like the idea of using science, but uh, using that ap application to real world problems. So there's, you know, it's not necessarily going to be the same work day in, day out, because I do like to be challenged. And so I thought, oh, I'll be a chemical engineer. That makes total sense. So I applied for engineering. I got my conditional acceptance. Everything was good for grade 12. So I went into my first year engineering. And for anyone who has been in first year engineering, it's very generic your first year. So you don't, everyone's taking very basic math and science classes. So it's nothing too specific. Um, one of the courses we had to take though was kind of a general engineering course where every week we learned about the different disciplines in engineering because at the end of your first year, you then choose what discipline you want to go into and you apply to, to get acceptance into that discipline. So you kind of rank, you know, rank your choices from top to bottom. So I thought, okay, great, that's fine. I wanna be a chemical engineer. As you know, I did not end up <laughs> becoming a chemical engineer. I listened to the, that week, um, the chemical engineering department came in and explained, you know, oh, this is what, this is what chemical engineering is about. And I was like, oh, I don't think I like that because <laughs> it's a lot of um, like process operations. So like refineries and plants and I don't know, it just didn't. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but that was kind of the gist I got in that week. And I didn't, I didn't really find myself getting super pumped about that. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Well, if I'm not going to 
if I don't want to do chemical engineering, then now what? <laughs> so I started looking and I ended up between me mechanical engineering, which is a very common, a very common engineering field, um, and materials engineering. And I literally, because I'm, I'm one of these people, I went through the following year's worth of courses I would take for both mechanical and the materials program. And I looked at all the things I would learn and I said, okay, do I wanna, what, what I mean, obviously there's programs and, and courses that you're not, not gonna love all of them, but I thought, okay, which one has more courses that interest me? So I ended up going materials engineering and long story short, basically materials engineering is the chemistry of materials. Um, and how materials behave and how you can change materials to you know have different properties to do different things so in in a long roundabout way i kind of ended up in the chemistry of or what i considered to be chemistry in my grade 8 grade 9 mind <laughs> to be the chemistry of the engineering world and so um i was very lucky to have that epiphany early on and figure it all out but that kind of it was a it was a bit of a crazy path and um I haven't regretted it once since I chose materials so that's kind of how I started I was lucky when I was in school my dad worked um he worked for an HVAC company so a heating air conditioning ventilation company um that would lit that was housed next door to a engineering consulting company so after my first, near the end of my first year, he's like, hey, why don't I just take you over there and you can, you know, have a little tour. And it was just a small firm, but they can show you some of the work that they do. So you have an idea. And I was like, this is great because they did both mechanical and materials engineering work there. So we went for a tour and met some of the, met some of the people there. And at that time they were like, hey, we could maybe use a summer student so I was like, oh, that could be cool because, you know, after first year engineering, most people don't get direct engineering experience that early on. Um, so I thought, sure, that sounds great. So I ended up working there that first summer and also the next summer learning about, well, do it, basically doing materials engineering work and some mechanical engineering work. And then in my after my third year, um, my uncle, at the, he lived in Houston, Texas at the time. So I ended up going down there for the summer and I did a summer internship with an energy company um, based out of Houston, Texas. So I got to spend, I think it was three and a half months or something down there or four months working for them. And then um, when I graduated after four years, I ended up going back to the original consulting company that I had done my first two summers with. And that is kind of how I got started in my career. So I was very fortunate to have, to, you know, my dad was next door and I had a few good family connections to introduce me to some other people um, who happened to need, you know, cheap labor for lack of a better word, but, you know, just a summer, a summer student. Um, to learn some things and see, you know, what the engineering world was about. And so, um, so that's kind of how I got started into engineering. 
Thank you so much for sharing your story, Megan. And I hope that this podcast episode gets in the hands of younger women who are, or anybody who wants to get inspiration on their career steps, right? For, for the career in engineering or STEM. Tell us more about how you think women specifically can make impact in that profession, in your profession. As I mentioned earlier, you know, engineers build the world. And so you're involved in a lot of the design. I know that you do investigations, but how do you think specifically and why is it so important to have that female perspective when, when working with materials, when designing the world, when, when thinking, when planning? Yeah, so I was one, one in five when I was in university, one in five students was female. So I think in my graduating class of 30 some students, um, there were five or six of us that were, that were women. Um, I have been fortunate that um, for the most part, the companies I've worked for haven't um, viewed the fact that I'm female as a negative. Um, obviously there are some people that are still kind of stuck in that old school mindset, um, especially when you're dealing with some of the some of our clients and field staff. But I think the the female perspective is an important one because we we as females have different strengths than our male counterparts, and not to say that either is better than the other, but they're just different. And I think it's important to have all those different perspectives in order to really come to the best solution because you know the field of engineering is very collaborative or should be collaborative in my opinion um, and i think you know half of half of the world is female like or maybe even i might even be a little bit more than 50% um, you know half half the world is female so we need to build our world to represent half half of us. <laughs> so I think it's, um, it's important to have that additional perspective. And, you know, it's, it's hard to go into a field where it has been a certain way for a long time. And there's, you know, some unspoken expectations, I guess I'll say around, you know, what it means to be an engineer. And I think um, the world is changing. And I've seen that in my own career, that there's lots of really great supportive, you know, mid to senior level engineers that are helping, helping, you know, the next generation and especially, um, you know, the minorities. So females in engineering being one, but also other, other minorities, um, people of color, black indigenous people, in addition to just, you know, females. And so I think that um, one, of the, one of the biggest things we can do is try and find those relationships and, and work on those relationships and, and build those connections to people who might think of you when something comes up. That's happened a few times where um, I've been volunteering for uh, an organization and through that, I've, you know, met a few people. And then in my work life, I've actually had them, you know, someone at their organization has said, oh, hey, I need this type of work done. Do you know anyone who could do it? And, you know, they've passed my name on and said, hey, maybe you could talk to Megan over here. 
and she can probably help you out. So even just by making those connections, it's not that you're necessarily, you know, aggressively marketing yourself, but just by knowing people and talking to people and, you know, letting them learn about you. Um, sometimes those, those things just happen kind of organically and it's, it's, you know, not intentional, but it, it obviously benefits you when, <laughs> when you know those people and, and they think of you in that moment of, of need. So I think a lot of, a lot of it has been reaching for the, those other connections, especially for the people who are very well established and especially, you know, senior male engineers, because those are the ones that are going to help give us the opening in a lot of cases to bring more women into the room, especially in those leadership positions where um, that diversity is greatly needed. And I, a lot of them are recognizing that need. So it is changing, but, you know, there's still a lot of there's still a lot of uh, stepping stones to, <laughs> to still get through here. Cause we obviously, I think we're under 20, I think it's under 20, it's under 20% for sure in, a, in Alberta anyways. I wanna even say it might be like 14, 15% women that are registered engineers. Um, and that number drops off quite drastically once you hit kind of the 30 to 35 year old plus range um well yeah because well well then family comes into play right so let's let's dive into that part you've transitioned to two maternity leaves I know your partner your husband has taken some parental leave and you've also been doing some work in terms of who you are so those are all things that I want to dive in with you let's you know through the process of a matrescence you, you became you gave birth to a new identity as a mother right? So you probably defined yourself a lot through your career and your successes. But when you became a mom of one and two children, you realized that things were shifting, uh, shifting for you. So you talked about getting to know people. So let's get to know Megan and how things have, how has the journey into motherhood been for you into journey as, as a professional who has very, who is very highly skilled, but you experience this transformation. It's not like we drop into motherhood. It's all sunshine and rainbows and, you know, everything is happily ever after in fact it's a huge adjustment so tell us about that journey yeah so I have yeah I have been very much career minded career oriented for years um I did make sure um one of one of the things my husband my husband is also an engineer um and one of the things we talked about when we were talking about having children because of we both wanted a family but I wanted to finish my master's before, so I ended up doing that right after I did my undergrad while I was working full-time, which is really hard, really hard, but I did it um, because I knew if I waited, it may never happen, and so I I was like, I want that for myself, so I'm going to make that happen. The second piece was, at least in engineering, um, and I would say similar in other professionally licensed fields it is a lot harder to get um, back into the field after you've had children if you don't already have your professional designation. So I was an engineer in training. Um, Not to say that you can't, you absolutely can, but it, it does make it a little bit harder to get the hours and experience in some cases to then apply for and get your professional engineering designation. So that was the other piece 
I wanted to make sure was in place prior to children that I had my PNG and was, you know, kind of established in my career. So we opted, I mean, I know everyone, not everyone gets, you know, to choose that we were, we were able to. Um, so we waited, I think it was six, it was about six years from when we got married to when um, my daughter was born. Um, prior to that though, we had two, uh, I had two pregnancy losses. So like, it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, timing wise, cause you just never know how it's going to go. And I know after, after our first loss, I thought, okay, well, you know, there's these things that, you know, we're planning for in my career at work. And then there were, obviously we still wanted to have a, try and have a family. And I realized I can't put either of those on hold for the other because I, you just never know how it's going to go. So I made an intentional choice to continue on with my career as it had been going, you know, as if no children were coming into the picture while simultaneously also trying to start a family. Um, I was very fortunate at the time. So not my, in my current role, but my previous job, they were um, very, very helpful and kind and supportive for both my losses and, you know, giving me some time off. And so when I did get pregnant with my daughter, they were wonderful and celebrated with me and were just so happy, so happy for us. And it was really wonderful. So um, I was still traveling a lot and working a lot with actually both pregnancies with both my daughter and my son. Um, which was its own struggle, <laughs> just being, I, do, I don't have the greatest pregnancies, so my body hurts, um, I ended up with like SI joint dysfunction, and so it's, um, I don't love being pregnant, but I am very grateful that I have been able to, you know, carry and have my children, so when I came, when I became a mother, um, a couple things happened, one, I realized that, um, being a mother is the most rewarding thing I've ever done, but also might be the most challenging thing I have ever done. <clears throat> and I, I mean, that's, you know, two university degrees, a career, you know, as a female in a male dominated industry, all of these things are challenging. Don't get me wrong, but being a mother is like another level. So, um, but it also taught me, and we are fortunate here in Canada to have our maternity leave, um, that I am not meant to be a stay-at-home mother. I learned that very quickly. I loved having my time off and, and being able to bond with my both my children, but I am not meant to be a stay-at-home mother. And kudos to all the women out there who can do that, but that is just not me. And I realized I'm a better mother when I'm working. And I have that piece of um, my identity, I guess, or that piece of my life for myself. So going back to work wasn't, um, like I didn't feel guilty about it or bad about it. I was excited actually <laughs> to go back and, and you know, pursue another part of myself. And I was also very fortunate that a friend of mine had opened a day home up, so I didn't have to really stress too much about childcare. And I knew my children were being, you know, looked after by someone who deeply cared for them and loved them. And 
you know, so that was, I'm very grateful for that piece of the support system. So if we're talking about support systems, the childcare piece um, can be a big challenge for a lot of families. And I was very fortunate that the timing just worked out because she had her son like a few months before I had my daughter. So she basically opened up and there was already a spot for my daughter. So it was awesome. And when I went back to work, it was just, I mean, it took a little bit of time. I'm not going to lie. My brain was like a little bit sluggish. Well, it doesn't help when you're, you know, you got a child that w- woke up at four, four thirty in the morning, several days. There were some days I would literally roll into, roll into work with a coffee in each hand because I just, I had to survive somehow, but but overall, I was really happy to return to work um, and, and have that, you know, that other challenge in my life. And then um, it was probably, what, four or five months after I went back to work, I got pregnant again with my son. Um, so I ended up back at work for a year before I took a maternity leave again. Um, so he was born just over two years after my daughter. And we were fortunate uh, to have him born January before the pandemic hit in March. So we we had the initial support systems of our family in place. Um, my daughter stayed with my parents while we were in the hospital with, with my son. And everyone who wanted to meet him got to meet him before the world shut down. Now... I will say I was worried about the transition to two children because I knew it would be hard. So I had been working previously um, with a therapist on kind of figuring out what that transition is going to look like, what sorts of um, coping mechanisms I could use, what sorts of supports and other resources I could access to help make it easier because I knew how how challenging the newborn phase was. I am a really, really terrible when I don't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> so I knew it was going to be hard and this time I had to do it with a toddler. So we, you know, we spent a lot of time going through and figuring out what all those support systems look like and what I could do. So things like you know, my family to come and watch the kids so that I could sleep and seeing, you know, a massage therapist and my chiropractor to help keep my body in shape, going back to pelvic floor physiotherapy to help all of the things that got stretched out through multiple pregnancies, get all that kind of back um, and strengthened up again. So all these sorts of things I my first mat leave was full of, you know, yoga with baby and baby swim classes and library time and the pandemic hit. And all of those things that I had planned to do were out the window. I didn't even have my family to come and and let me sleep. And my son was such a terrible sleeper. I don't think I got more than three or four very broken hours of sleep a night until he was probably six months old. So I basically, um, I struggled. My husband took the first eight weeks off after my son was born. So that really helped get through like the really early hard days, but he was back at work for one week 
before the pandemic hit. So as soon as everything got really hard, I remember having that one week of feeling like, yeah, I can do this. I got this. Like I can handle two kids. <laughs> we can get out of the house and do things. And then, then we couldn't. So it was hard and it, it actually really put into perspective for me how important support systems are. Um, now, hopefully we're kind of out of that and you know, anyone who's a new mother or about to become a mother will not, will have, be able to have access to their support systems, whatever those look like. But um, I can't, like, I cannot stress the importance of support systems enough. And I, I'm fortunate I have a wonderful family that I can rely on. My husband is really helpful and great, but he was obviously working at home. So he wasn't really available too much during the day. And then, you know, the professional support services. So I was still seeing my therapist, which I needed to do because I did end up through it all um, with some pretty significant postpartum depression that I had to work with. And then once things started opening up again, I was able to add my chiropractor and massage therapy back into and physiotherapy back into back into the mix. Um, and, and, you know, see, see some family again, at least my immediate family, but, but it definitely was a very different maternity leave <laughs> than the first one. So um, for anyone out there, if you, if you're listening, if, especially if you've got one kid and, and you want more, um, it's always a good idea to talk to, to the people in your life or talk to a professional therapist if, if you have the means to do so. Um, and figure out what that plan looks like for yourself, because when you're in deep in the newborn trenches and you're tired and exhausted and your body hurts and you're barely able to feed yourself and shower some days, those having those supports already established, um, even things like, you know, knowing what you can do with your other child to connect to them on a daily basis, because obviously your newborn is going to take, they take so much of your time and attention, but you still have another child who needs you and loves you and wants your attention too. So, you know, being able to under, you know, understand how you can connect with them and, and things that all those little pieces that kind of come into play that are hard to, hard to think about when you're in the trenches, but are, you know, if you can figure them out ahead of time, you'll set yourself up for hopefully a little bit of an easier transition because it it did rock me pretty hard and um, I I've recently since returning to work um, found the pros and babes community and it has been so helpful just having other women who are like-minded you know mothers but also still you know passionate about their careers able to you know connect to all those those people and have that common ground. So, you know, there's a, another support system that is, is helpful if you can find a group of women and not all mom groups, um, you know, mom groups are great, but they are, there's quite a variety out there. So don't give up if, if you find one that just is not a good fit. And so there are many, many different types of communities out there and, and, there is one for everyone. It's just a matter of finding one that fits. 
Thank you for being so generous with your journey, talking about your pregnancy losses. I'm sorry about those. I know those are so hard to process and you've been so generous in supporting our community through so many so many women experience such losses and and thank you for being generous with your story and helping others not feel so alone and then casting a real light on what motherhood is we would all like to be that woman in the picture with the flowers the perfect makeup the flowing white gown one baby under one arm the other one you know <laughs> under the other but the reality is that the adjustment into this new phase of life is is growth it's it's often pain it's a lot of joy it's like the highest highs and the lowest lows and I know that you've been working, Megan, on your, your shifting priorities and values, and you've been using new tools for time blocking and creating the life you want. So walk us through as we wrap up the conversation and just close off on support systems or any other additional thoughts. You know, how has the reflection on your changing values and also casting a vision of what you want to build helped you get off autopilot? Yeah, so I think... Um... I think it's easy to just kind of exist and, and, you know, be in survival mode almost for the early years of children. And I, that's totally fine because sometimes that's all we have the capacity to do and to be is just surviving. Um, but at some point, you know, if you really want to thrive in your life, you have to reset yourself and say, okay, things are different now what can I do to make that happen for myself? And for me, fine, I, I found the pros and babes community, which definitely kind of kickstarted that. Although I, I was in a kind of a state of now what, <laughs> when, when I did find the community, it just kind of happened at the right time. But I think for me, it was understanding that, okay, I, I still have a lot of the same values from pre-children so I did still value my career. I still valued, you know, personal development and progressing on my goals and future, what I wanted my future to look like. But obviously things are very different once you also have children in the picture. And so one of the biggest shifts, shifts was just reconnecting um, to my core values and not that I had ever really done a core value exercise before, but I think a big part of it was just like naming it. Cause I, I had a pretty good idea of my core values, but I didn't, I wasn't really specific about it. And so naming them and seeing them really helps you kind of refocus on what's important. And it starts becoming easier once you know who you are and or who you want to become and what direction you want your life to go and starting to look at that long-term plan because, you know, the years can go by so quickly. So what does that future look like um, and how can you get there? And so I think for me, a big piece of it was knowing my core values and then starting to say, okay, how do I make small changes in my life? Because I mean, I'm a mama too. I don't have all the free time. <laughs> Kids take up a lot of time. Um, plus when you're working full time. So how can I, you know, make some small changes in my life such that I can start behaving more like the person I want to become so that eventually I do become that person. So I think that was the biggest shift for me. 
Um, part of that was looking at my time, where I'm spending it, what can stay on my schedule, what needs to go. Excessive social media scrolling, for example, is a work in progress, but one that I'm trying to, you know, limit. Plus, the just the comparison factor and everything else. Um, social media is wonderful for connecting us, but it also it's a double-edged sword, especially in this age of our our constant need for instant gratification, right? So I think a big part of it was that shift to what can I what can I get rid of out of my schedule? So I'm not just constantly, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, busy, busy. I have lots of time if I want to use it effectively, but I need to know what I want to put in that time in order to be able to, you know, work towards the future that I want to have. And so um, part of that is doing a lot of self work, digging into who I am, who I want to be, you know, processing past traumas, processing the, the hard parts of yourself. That's the one thing about therapy that's great. You know, you feel better initially, and then you feel a lot worse. <laughs> and then you come out feeling way better. But that that process of therapy, like you do have to, you have to face the ugly parts of yourself and the maybe not so nice parts of yourself that you don't like as much, um, but are still part of you because we're all imperfect people. And that's just part of being a human being. So all of those pieces kind of fit into fit into the future, uh, future Megan that I'm trying to build. But you know, it's a work in progress and it's it's a small step every day, conscious little tiny decisions that over time will compound into big things. Um, so if I can keep that focus on my values and on the person I want to become, then I will be able to get there. But um, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle in the meantime. So it's, it's just kind of finding that balance of, you know, going with the flow, but also still having a good chunk of my time and decision-making be quite intentional. Thank you, Megan. That's, that's a wonderful reflection. As we wrap up, can you give any new moms who are expecting moms, whether in STEM worlds or anyone in a demanding corporate career or a competitive career or a male-dominated field, what are three tips that you would give women who are experiencing this life transition? How can they bring more joy, more harmony. You know, the title of this podcast is engineer your success and leadership. And when we talk about engineering is also reverse engineering, right? You start with the vision you're talking about the making your building. So success, leadership, and life harmony. Can you give everybody a tip for success, leadership, and life harmony? That's a, that could be answered many ways. Um, the ones that come to my mind initially, I think having, um, from a career perspective, having a lot of good conversations with your employer, both pre-maternity leave and also checking in with them periodically during maternity leave, I've found to be helpful, even if it's you know not necessarily for planning your return back to work, although obviously that does have to happen, but just connecting to them and, and making sure that they know that you're still there and that you're, you're ready to come back at some point um, so that, you know, you're not kind of forgotten and showing, you're showing that initiative that 
your career still is important to you. Um, so I think that's one piece that worked well for me. I think having, and again, my plan went completely out the window with a pandemic, but who expects a pandemic to show up? Nobody. <laughs> so I think, but, but that, that aside, I think having a, some kind of a plan or at least, you know, a um, list of whether it's support systems, coping mechanisms, some sort of, you know, bucket of, of things you can draw upon when you are struggling as a new mom and on those hard days that you can, that you have that um, kind of there for you ready to go. So it's something you don't have to think too hard about because you've already done the thinking. Um, and then I guess the other piece of it is just to, to embrace, embrace the change. It's going to be hard some days. It's also going to be wonderful some days. Um, I think social media especially has produce this idea of the perfect mother and maybe the, the best thing someone's ever told me was you are the best mother and the perfect mother for your baby and so you are the expert on your baby and there are so many resources out there and so many people that are going to give you opinions and offer you advice that you may or may not want but ultimately it is your decision and it is your child and so you will have hard days and you will have great days, but you are still the best mother for your child. And if you can keep that in perspective and know that that little baby loves you unconditionally, regardless of whether you are struggling or not, you're going to be okay. I love that. I love reminding ourselves that we're going to be okay and that when we're not okay, there's help out there. We have to remember that. Megan, thank you so much for your time. If people want to find out more about you, can they find you on LinkedIn or on other social media? Where where can they find more find out more about Megan? Yeah, so I am on LinkedIn under Megan Sutton. Um, I do have Instagram, although I keep it locked down because of my kiddos. <laughs> but if you want to see... Um, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn and then eventually on Instagram, that would be okay too. Otherwise, um, I am fairly active in the Pros and Babes Facebook community. So feel free to reach out to me there or message me through there. Um, but yeah, I I hope that I hope that your journey, whatever it looks like, is you know, smooth as smooth sailing as possible. We're always gonna have bumps in the road, but I think. I think it's a, it's going to be okay for you too. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now make sure to review the show notes for any information we shared today, either about our guests or from myself. And then if you're ready to take action and turn working motherhood overwhelm into your greatest advantage, then head on over to our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash pros and babes. Again, info in the show notes. Make sure to get the support you need to succeed in family and career and be the first to know about new live networking events and training and of course connect with other moms who understand exactly what you're going through as a mom with a demanding career if you're getting value from the show i would be so grateful if you left us a review so we can reach more moms like you moms in corporate competitive and stem careers who should never be alone with a crushing overwhelm of trying to balance family and career life see you next time Thank you.
Thank you.